Are you out there doing your best to get on with life? Because, as you already know, it's what you make of your life that really counts. And sometimes having a few shortcuts to help you on your way can be very useful. The NLP Matters podcast might just be the toolbox you need to focus your attention, your effort, your drive onto what really does make the difference. Built on the foundation of neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP Matters podcast offers proven recipes you can use to create and sustain your life your way. G'day, and welcome to episode 15 of the NLP Matters podcast. I'm your host, Joe Clark. Over the past six episodes, we've been exploring the five principles of success. In episode 14, our focus was on the final of these principles, the physiology and psychology of excellence. Because being successful is not just about what we are doing. Rather, who we are being is absolutely vital if we want to achieve the successful outcomes. Today, we'll put the five principles together and get to see just how powerful a package this model is in achieving our dreams and goals. When we first began the journey through these five principles of success, I said that with NLP we could study and decode the patterns of thinking, strategies and techniques that are shared by successful people. Then, using NLP modelling strategies, we were able to discover that it's possible for us to follow them and achieve our own success. They have made the journey so much easier for us, leading the way, because we can learn from the best and replicate what successful people have done. We absolutely can achieve success for ourselves by using modelling and the five success principles. It gives us a structure that we can use over and over again until it becomes so ingrained in us Because every time we use this structure, we build our neural muscles or neural pathways, and so we begin mastering the art and science of setting and achieving our goals. To start today, let's just quickly review specifically what five success principles are. First, we ensure we meet the number one success principle, knowing outcome. This means we are really clear about where we're going, what our goal is. Second, we know that no goal can be reached without action, but we're not only taking action. We're taking specific targeted action that will bring us closer to our goal. And third, we use our sensory acuity to see and confirm if we're on course, which then leads us to the fourth principle, which is especially important if we're not on track because we have to bring in the behavioural flexibility to change what we're doing to get back on track. If, however, when we do our sensory acuity check, we confirm our actions are on track, then we can keep doing what we're doing with some confidence that we're actually making the progress we planned for. And finally, we have the fifth success principle, where we bring on the physiology and psychology of excellence. As you now know, this principle highlights how successful people have a way of being that supports their success. This principle brings home the importance of not just what we do to achieve success, 
but also how fundamentally it is who we are being that is the difference that makes the difference. So let's use a real life example to dig really deep into how the five principles work. I may not have mentioned, I don't know, in one of my previous episodes that I'm a cyclist. And yes, I admit it's more of a fair weather cyclist rather than perhaps a committed, no matter what the weather is, cyclist. But I do like getting out on my bike on a beautiful sunny day and pushing out a nice 30, 40 and sometimes even more kilometres in a ride. And pretty much every year for the past 11 years, I've also been an enthusiastic participant in the Great Victorian Bike Ride. Now, for those of you who don't know about the Great Vic Bike Ride, this is an annual ride where about 4,000 cyclists ride around a specially selected section of Victoria for nine or 10 days. Every year, it's a different location. And on average, we ride about 70 kilometers per day. So whilst it's not a race, it does require a reasonably good level of fitness and training time in the saddle, as they say. On some years, the terrain can be pretty flat and the weather mild. But on others, the hills? <laughs> oh my goodness. One year we rode over the Streslecki Ranges in Gippsland. And the weather can be quite challenging with icy conditions or strong headwinds or perhaps even temperatures above 40 degrees. I remember one year when we had the whole trifecta, above 40 degrees riding up the mountain and being pelted by hailstones riding down the other side. Now, I'm sure you're thinking I must be totally crazy to be going on this bike ride, especially going back year after year. But what can I say? Despite these challenges, it's a load of fun. Anyway, let's have a look at the Great Big Bike Ride as a way to explore how it is the five success principles gets me through it every year. And let's start, of course, with the first principle. Know your outcome or starting with the end in mind. On last year's bike ride in 2019, my main goal was to complete nine days of riding from Robe in South Australia to Torquay in Victoria, about 620 kilometres. I also wanted to start the ride and arrive at the finish in good physical shape. There's not much point doing it if I come back wrecked. This meant I would be able to meet and savour the ride challenge each day, whilst also enjoying good food, fun and entertainment and the company of good friends each evening after the ride. Oh, and of course, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but I want the ride to be fun. On top of having some general criteria for what is a successful Great Big Bike Ride, in order to know my outcome, I need to get really specific in terms of sensory criteria. In other words, what will I see, hear, feel and tell myself when I have my outcome? that successful ride. So each day I see myself getting up in the morning, we're in a tent, and I can see the light of dawn increasing inside my tent. It's mostly cold in the mornings, and so I have all my gear ready and located within reach for me to get dressed quickly and preferably without having to get out of the sleeping bag. I see myself putting my bike gear on out of the tent through the morning toiletry routine, packing up the tent and loading the truck. I queue up, have warm porridge and, a, and fruit salad for breakfast, and then I check that my bike is ready to ride. Tires, brakes, wheels, bike, computer, lights, helmet, glasses, and gloves on. Then jump on the bike ready for a new day of adventure. Now I see myself on the bike riding up the steep hills. 
eyes focused down on the road. Bit by bit, I climb the hill. I don't get ahead of myself. I can feel my bottom on the seat, my bike, and my leg muscles are fatiguing as I push the bike up the hill. And then I crest the top, and I'm seeing lush green farmland stretched out at the base of rolling hills. I can smell the eucalypts and hear the whipbirds as I ride through the cold, shady rainforests. Ocean views begin to appear as we move from South Australia to Victoria and eventually onto the Great Ocean Road, where the salty sea refreshes me. I can hear the sound of other cyclists talking, calling out as they pass, the sound of gears clicking as I change them and other people are changing theirs, the sound of my own breathing as I push through. I feel the wind on my face and I can see myself riding through the big blue inflatable arch across the finish line at the end of each day's ride. And there's a group of volunteers who are there cheering us and congratulating us on another successful day as we arrive at camp. Once we're in camp, priority number one is to find our luggage off the trucks, pick our tent and then off to the showers. After a shower and change into fresh clothes, I can see myself relaxing in the big tent with friends and a glass of bubbles in my hand, and the sounds of hundreds of voices at the end of each day, at dinner, laughing, talking of the day just gone, and making plans for tomorrow. We make our way to bed, and I can feel the sweet bliss of falling asleep in my tent after a great day on the bike. Eventually, I'm into the final day, and I know the Great Ocean Road, as I've done this ride on previous occasions. I know every twist and turn of the bends and I can feel the bike as I push it uphill, then rapidly descend into the valleys with the spectacular southern ocean stretched out on my right. The waves are crashing. I can hear the panting of other riders as we continue to make our way towards Torquay. Finally, I see myself crossing the finish line in Torquay, the thunderous applause of hundreds of people lining the roads, clapping and cheering as we all approach. And as I cross that finish line, I feel a rush of elation. I did it. Feelings of satisfaction, pride in myself, and the pure physicality of completing the ride swirl inside me. As I say, yes, I did it. Another great Vic bike ride finished. Another great adventure complete. Sounds pretty cool, really, doesn't it? However, it's important to remember that getting to that awesome outcome relies very heavily on the second principle of success, taking action. Not only the action during the ride, but also making sure that I've got off the couch and taken action well before the ride. I usually book my ticket for next year's ride when I'm on the ride. So that way I know I'm committed to be there. And of course, I plan my training in preparation for the ride. Because let me tell you, I know that I'll be in for a world of pain if I don't do the training. I've seen people on the ride who clearly haven't trained and I don't think their experience of the ride looks like much fun. I start training at a minimum of at least three months out, and my training not only includes time in the saddle, but it also looks at my nutrition, my rest, and other health care, so I know that I'll be in good shape when we start the ride. And my bike also needs to be in good shape, so it goes in for a service a few weeks before, so I know it's in good working order and safe to ride. Then there's all the action around booking transport, packing my bike for moving it on the truck, camping equipment, bike gear, first aid, all the packing. And of course, I run a business, so I need to make sure that everything will run smoothly while I'm away. It's important in this 
preparation phase to keep myself in constant action. Because if I put off doing things, then the problem is that I'll keep putting it off and next thing the bike ride's looming and I haven't done my preparation and my stress levels will skyrocket as I go into survival mode and get on the bike and have to really push myself or not be properly prepared. And that's just not my idea of fun. And one of my main goals of doing the bike ride is to have fun. So let's look at the third principle of success, sensory acuity, because this is what I use to make sure I'm staying on track with my actions. So part of me using my sensory acuity is checking that I'm hitting certain milestones in my preparation. So I ride, you know, longer and longer distances as I get closer and closer to the ride. And I'm noticing how am I coping with that? How am I feeling physically as I make my way towards the ride? Also, I have to make sure I've paid for my ticket and booked and paid for the bus to get me to the start. So really checking that everything's ready, making sure my packing list is done, I've got the right gear ready, and my bike's been serviced. One week out, I start packing. Now, it's then when I've made sure I'm ticking off all those milestones and I'm on track, that I sometimes have to bring in my fourth principle of success, that of behavioural flexibility. Because let's face it, sometimes life does get in the way and the milestones might not be getting ticked off in the way that I'd hoped. So I might have to make some adjustments. So for example, one year I was getting all ready, I'd booked and I was ready to go or you know preparing to go on the bike ride when I discovered, much to my delight, that my first grandchild was going to be born smack in the middle of the ride. Now, this would have been my 10th great big bike ride in a row, which is a pretty big deal because, you know, usually get made a bit of a fuss of and, you know, I had a few friends who were going to come on the ride to celebrate with me. But let me tell you, there was no way that I was going to be away and potentially miss out on the birth of my first grandchild. So I needed to bring lots of behavioural flexibility in and just say, you know what, this year I'm not going to go and I'll just have to do my 10th one next year. I also had a little chat to my unborn grandson and suggested to him that he might want to be a bit overdue because if he had his birth date after the, I think it was about the 7th or 8th of December, then I knew that his birthday could never clash with the Great Pit Bike Ride in the future. And he was very cooperative and was born on the 9th of December. So I was pretty wrapped about that. His mum wasn't too wrapped about being overdue, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Now, finally, the fifth principle, the physiology and psychology of excellence. For the Great Vic Bike Ride, both the physiology and psychology are critical to having a successful ride. I'm very, very conscious of my riding technique. So when you're riding distances, you need to be mindful. Where are you holding your hands? How are you sitting on the seat? How are you using your pedals? What gears are you using up and down hills? So you're monitoring and evaluating your physiology all the time because otherwise you could end up with a really sore neck or sore back or sore wrists or or worse and not be able to sit down for a while. Also, you need to make sure you've got good quality bike gear that protects you as you're riding. So the physiology and psychology of success is so vital in a distance ride like this. Even riding up the hill, it's really important that for me anyway, I focus on about two metres in front of my bike on bitumen and I pick a leaf or a rock or whatever and I just ride to that 
and then I pick another one two meters and I ride to that. If I look up and I see the hill and it looks so far away, I find that suddenly I lose energy, I lose motivation. So by looking down and being really focused on just what's next, what's next, what's next, I can pace myself very effectively up lots and lots of hills, even Laver's Hill, which has some infamy for those of us who are cyclists. So it's really important to find ways to manage my physiology and my psychology to keep me on track for achieving my goal. Now, obviously, when I did my first Great Vic bike ride, I didn't know these things. And it was really important for me to find someone who I could model, someone who was a good cyclist. I do have a friend who's been a very avid and quite high-performing cyclist basically his whole life, and he's now in his 60s. 11 years ago, when I decided to do my first great bike ride, I hadn't been on a bike since I was a teenager, so he was a great person for me to model. I could copy his physiology and psychology for riding bikes, and it just made everything so much easier. How did he prepare? What did he pack? What did he do? What sort of bike did he have? And looking at all of those things helped me prepare and plan and improve every year that I've done my riding. So I hope that you can see how important it is to use these five success principles by looking at this practical example. How can you use them in your life? Where do you have a goal? Who can you model from? How can you be really, really clear about the outcome, bringing in the actions that you need to take and the sensory acuity so you know, are you on track or are you off track? And then follow it up with behavioral flexibility. Don't get so attached to how you're doing the process that it gets in the way of actually achieving it. And finally, of course, we have the physiology and psychology of excellence. So hopefully you can begin putting these principles into practice as a package and achieve your goals much more easily and more often than maybe you have in the past. I invite you to set a goal for yourself and take these principles out for a spin. There's a downloadable for you to use to really get into documenting your goal and practice, practice, practice applying these five success principles into something that you're really interested in in your own life. So please join me in the next episode. We're going to look at the next really cool NLP technique, which you would bring into your goal setting and your goal achieving after you've worked through the five success principles. And that is the keys to an achievable outcome. And we'll explore that in much the same way as we've done with the five success principles so that you can get a really good handle on how to apply the keys to an achievable outcome to really evaluate the goals you're setting up for yourself and make sure that you enhance your ability to achieve them. Stay awesome and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Wow, thanks for showing up and listening in. We would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts, ideas, or questions via email to joanne at destinypursuit.com.au. Now it's time to take today's recipe out into your own life. Notice the differences that show up as you apply it. We'd love to hear how you are progressing with your new approach.